0: Welcome back to Martins and More. My name is Mari Rich, And I'm Spoon Phillips. And we have a lot to talk about today. What's going on, Spoon? Well, it's actually a very nice day, I'd say, uh, at least
1: here in Brooklyn. I hope to maybe get out and see a little bit of it. It's still, you know, late winter chill, but that could be a lot worse. And um, And I'm looking very forward to today's show, as a matter of fact had a listener bring up a topic for a possible show that uh, speaks to the heart of myself and Maury. So thanks very much for that suggestion because today's topic
0: is the OM. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought it was um.
1: (laughs) No, it is the orchestra model. Uh, The only problem with that is what does that mean? It actually means uh, different things to different people. So, uh, but a lot of people know that right now Martin offers models called OMS, which stands for orchestra model. And this is a guitar that's got a body that's smaller than a dreadnought or a jumbo or a grand performance. Uh, It's one of their traditional body shapes. It has the exact same body as a triple O or triple lot or triple knot, uh, but they have some differences. The OMs, of course, uh, have a long scale neck. Uh, nowadays, most triple O's have a short scale neck. And in the old days, that was a major uh, demarcation between an OM and a triple O. Back before the uh, Reimagined Standard series appeared in 2018, OMs also had a wider fingerboard and wider string spacing than Triple O's. Today, they both use the high performance taper with one and three quarter inch width nut, where it used to only be OMs that had a one and three quarter inch width nut. And they both have a two and one eighth inch width at the 12th fret, when the orchestra models used to have two and a quarter wider spacing, wider string spacing. And now today, they both have the two and five thirty seconds of an inch string spacing. So the OM and the triple O's have gotten closer together. All OMs have quarter inch bracing, scalloped, um, and the long scale neck. Most triple O's have a short scale neck, and most triple O's have five 16th inch bracing. But the 18 has uh, quarter inch bracing. So. Uh, the OMS are more consistent in that sense. So Amari, why don't you just take us through what OMS are available that come off the top of your head for sale now at Laurie's Music.
0: Well I'll be happy to and that dives right into the reasoning that you just spoke of depending on who you ask and how you ask it we can say that there are a certain number of OMS in the catalog that are specifically titled OM and there are also some guitars in Martin's current catalog in 2023 that, by all rights, they are OMs because they have a one and three quarter inch nut and they also have a long scale length, but Martin still calls them triple O. So, to keep things sort of easy to understand, I'll answer your question more deliberately and I will let you know that the Martins that are currently available as an OM are things like the OM28, the OM21, OM42. And then some nice variations of the OM28, you can get it with a pickup system. Uh, The OM28E comes with either LR bags or Fishman electronics, or you can graduate to the OM28E Modern Deluxe. And I jumped over them a little bit accidentally. The OM28 is also available in a Modern Deluxe without the electronics. Other popular guitars that are still in the current production, the OMC X1E Black, OME Cherry, and the OM-JM, uh, they're gonna round out what you can basically buy from Martin guitar at any authorized dealer in the year 2023. There are some more custom options that we like to order in, and we can certainly let you know about them as the show progresses, but you do have a pretty healthy choice when it comes down to which OM would you like, and that's not even counting those triple O guitars that Martin calls triple O's that kind of really are OMs anyway.
1: That's true, and, and there's a lot of reasons these overlap and, and at times can be confusing and you really have to go back to the very beginning and the history of that, which I'm going to get to in a little bit. But I want to put my own thinking cap to see if I can remember any other OMS that might be out there still. And I can think of one that wasn't mentioned that is an artist's signature model last, Mario mentioned it really quickly. So, hmm. So that can be part of our trivia question. <laughs> We're going to have two trivia questions today, then. One of them is what Martin OM is for sale today that is an artist's signature model edition? And I look forward to reading the comments on the YouTube version of this podcast to see who might have gotten that. And then I'll ask the other trivia question a little bit later. So uh, it's interesting, when you go through this, what immediately pokes out to me from this is you mentioned all these OM-28s and the OM-42. And uh, and nowhere did I hear the word 18 anywhere. And that always makes me very sad that they don't make an OM-18 with mahogany back and <laughs> forth. But they have here and there and they probably will again. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a uh, OM-18 Modern Deluxe very soon either. So yes, so the OMs are considered extremely versatile. They have a long scale neck with a auditorium size body. That's what they call that technically that's used for the OM and the triple O. And it has the same depth of the double O a wider top, a little larger sound hole, a little bit longer top. And when you mix a long scale string tension on that size top with scalloped quarter inch bracing, that makes a very uh, reverberative top and a, it vibrates easier. And you put all that long scale tension into it. The energy that it produces uh, gives you a very big b- voice with a good bass response. Uh, It's considered one of the most even-sounding so that the mid-range and the bass and the treble are basically on the same plane. So fingerstyle players are often drawn to it, but you can basically do anything on an OM that you can do on a Dreadnought, which uh, Mari Rutsch proves over and over again when he plays his well-worn OM-28V from the Vintage series. And today's modern OM28 is virtually identical. It just doesn't have the V wider V neck. Um, As as I mentioned, it's got the modern high performance neck. But
0: uh, would you say that's a a pretty big seller? Oh yeah, I I certainly would. Uh, Not just at Martin, but here at Marty's Music. The OM28 really, really is one of the best sellers and for good reason. And we get a lot of calls and emails all week long asking for expert advice. And most of those customers who come to tell me they want to buy a standard series Martin and they do a healthy mixture of finger style and heavy strumming, the Ohm 28 has to get recommended. And it's just because I've, I know that's what it does. That's why I chose the Ohm 28 as my own. And like you were saying a moment ago, it's just one of those things, the extra string tension. When I, whenever I think of designing a Martin guitar or how they build Martin guitars, when you want to achieve either a bass boost, a treble boost, a balanced voice. The two things that really come into play are the depth of the guitar and the size of the guitar. So a very small double O that that's got a a top that's not very wide and it's a very shallow depth, that's gonna give you one sound. When you go to another extreme, a Dreadnought with a very deep depth from top to back and a big wide top, that's the other extreme. And you can basically play with those ingredients to get a sound that you're looking for. And the OM, uh, by no accident, just really arrives near the middle so you're not overly bass heavy you're not lacking bass you're not quiet you're not as loud as the dreadnought it's it's the medium of of Martin guitars it, as far as I can tell and a lot of players that call us up to take the time to ask for advice uh, it's it, there aren't that many people that this wouldn't really suit well it's it's not it's not fair to say it's the right guitar for everybody but if there was one right guitar size for almost everybody I'll say that it's the OM From my very
1: first understanding of martin guitars and and i came to that relatively late when i was a teenager and and well into my 20s i i didn't pay attention to what brand of guitars famous people played and all that i just knew what i liked the sound of turned out it was the martin sound that people like neil young were getting and out of their acoustic guitars but when i first started looking into martin's and was in new york city after the university and started going to guitar stores, Uh, guitarist uh, magazines like Acoustic Guitar would have advertising for Eric Schoenberg's shop in uh, Massachusetts, and eventually moved out to California. He actually started in Pittsburgh. And and his Schoenberg soloists, which were a a joint venture with Martin, where he uh, was a big lover of the 1930s OMS and had gotten Martin to make OMS that had much more vintage. Uh, appeal to them in terms of the specs and the bracing and the and the particularly the big V necks and a cut, but he had cutaways with them too, which is not traditional. And um, and they were, uh, they cost a lot of money. And I would see them in magazines, and I always you know wanted to have one. And uh, the first ones were basically uh, made by uh, Dana Bourgeois and his assistant T.J. Thompson that with Martin materials, and then they would ship them to Martin for construction and then after that uh after dana pulled out uh tj took over as the main builder and as far as you know tj uh, did all of the pyramid bridges and all those uh uh, most of the vintagey stuff for dana anyway uh and the and the neck joints and all that and then after tj went away eric shornberg got a variety of builders to make these and i think after the after tj thompson that was the last involvement martin had with it and then he went off and and just kept making them with with small uh builders but um but that got me turned on to the idea of the om and then i i met up i would start going to mandolin brothers which was that store in staten island that was basically a hands-on guitar museum and this was back before vintage martins were showing up in guitar stores because they were uh they their prices hadn't really skyrocketed yet so i had yet to see a vintage om but, uh, Larry Wexer, who is now a private dealer, uh, like private vintage guitar, hunter downer for people who can afford that sort of thing. He had written an article, um, about, would you rather have an, OM if you could go back in time to thirties, would you rather have an OM or triple O and that then got me even more interested. So, <laughs> um, so I ended up buying, uh, the very first OM 18 V that came out of Martin and uh, but prior to that, I had a bourgeois uh, mahogany OM, and I had a Collins mahogany OM because Martin wasn't making them. And then after that, I ended up getting a used OM twenty-eight VR, and the rest was history. And I've, you know, I had a deep body OM uh, signature model uh, for Pat Donahoe, uh, Donahue who was the uh, the guitar player. He was a he was a national champion. Uh, finger stylist but he also uh, was the guitar player on the prayer home companion for years and years and years and uh, and um things of that nature so i was always om 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 but as i got older i a lot of people know i converted to the short scale and i so now don't play om's um but i still love them and i still think they have superior tone i also have own, owned a couple of the JUBER uh models and i think like you said it's the most versatile, between the two of us, we've said it's the most versatile and kind of in the center of all that Martin-ness is the OM. And I think they sound uh, different than M's, which have a wider top. I think the M's give you more of a triple O sound, which I hear is being gathered and punchy and really forward shooting, where the Om's, to into my head sound more expansive and more like a... Uh, Expand in all directions and give a much more rounder, bigger, wider projection. So, big fan of the OMs, and I'm surprised there isn't one right now in the 16 series um, because there've been various OM 16s in the past. So, I won't won't be surprised we don't see one of those. Um, and uh, and tell me about those OM. Modern Deluxes and the uh, Authentic Series OM28 1931. Uh, did you sell many of those?
0: We we sold our fair share of the OM28 Authentics. We didn't really do as well with them as we've begun to do now with the Modern Deluxe. And, you know, no doubt because of the price point, uh, it, it definitely took some people out of the running when it came to what they wanted to buy. When we had an opportunity to give people choices back when the 28 Authentics were popular, the people that did get an opportunity to play them were almost always singing in their praises, but you have to remember the Authentics, there are some things about that model that aren't as kind as far as playability or adjustability. When you get an authentic guitar, you might love the sound and not like the neck. You might love the action and the setup, but you can't make adjustments as easily because the saddles are glued in. Uh, The truss rods are either missing or they might be T-bars or they might be in there as a truss rod but not adjustable. So making a commitment to an authentic isn't always about just the price, but you have to definitely make sure that you like a guitar that you can't set up as quickly yourself or make adjustments on the fly as much as I can turn the truss rod. On my OM28V, or you know, change the saddle anytime I want. Those things really can't be done on an authentic without some real work. It doesn't mean you shouldn't look at them, but it's it's something you should definitely bear in mind when you're in the market. So, to answer your question, we didn't sell as many of them as we would uh, things like the OM28 or even the OM28Es. But I have to suspect a lot of people that could afford either one, either got scared away from some of those authentic features or you know, maybe for other reasons, they just went with a different guitar. I think, if I'm remembering right, most people who came in our store years ago looking at the Authentics bought some sort of an OM if they didn't choose the Authentic. So it wasn't very often that somebody pushed the Authentic away and got a Dread or got a double O. I think, uh, if I'm remembering as, as hazy as my memory can be, uh, people that made their mind up to go in that direction probably settled is the wrong word, but those that Refused to go with the authentic, probably went with something a little bit similar, but same size, but I'll tell you what, when I say that, some of my best memories of Martin Fests in the past are centered around someone's OM28 Authentic, (laughs) because that guitar, there are some really, really good sounding instruments at Martin Fest, and that guitar is always at the front of my mind.
1: That's a shout out to Stan, the man down in Jacksonville, Florida, <laughs> uh, who doesn't bring it every year, but he, we've been very fortunate that he's brought it more than one year. And so we actually get to see that guitar grow up. And it is proof positive that even though those uh, torrified tops have officially stopped aging because they've very blasted the blasted them with such high heat, it's crystallized the interior. So that it's you know basically already a 90 year old piece of wood. Um, they, you know, all the glue joinery and and other aspects of that guitar definitely uh, advance in uh, in terms of tone production as the years go by. Yeah, the they OM twenty eight authentic nineteen thirty one has a you know, has a V-neck and and ironically, it's uh, it was taken from Mike Seeger's OM uh, 1931 OM twenty eight. It actually has a pointier V than a lot of OMS from 1931 and 1930, which are notoriously comfortable as vintage V-nex go. And, um, so it's interesting. They, they, you know, they always take a guitar that is in a hundred percent, all original condition to make an authentic and, and Seeger's OM was. So they use that and, uh, I just thought it was interesting that that because I got I played I've played that actual guitar and of course the authentic prototypes and stuff and and it's not the most comfortable 1931 OM neck I've ever played, but um, whereas these modern deluxes have the uh, vintage deluxe neck profile, and that was actually copied from a vintage OM, the 1930 OM 45 deluxe that's owned by the Martin Museum, which it may have the most comfortable vintage neck I've ever played. I absolutely love the neck, that guitar. And, um, and it's a asymm- asymmetrical neck. So, uh, there's a, there's, there's a little more, um, meat on the base side of the V than the treble side. It's like a faster roll off on the treble side. And not only that, the V point of the V, the apex of it, doesn't just run straight down the neck like it does on modern, uh, guitars, modern V and uh, modern V-necks, it actually drifts. So as your hand turns, you know, if you just picture your hand playing, let's say a, uh, open C chord down at the nut, and you slide that up the strings and your elbow t- tips in and starts pointing down to the floor and your wrist turns. So you have a very different grip when you, by the time you get up to the seventh fret and on up to the neck, all up to the, the heel. And that V drifts so it stays in the nook your palm. And it's really very super comfortable. Um, and that then inspired them to, to come up with the, uh, the helical neck they use on those new uh, fancy CS models, um, SC models rather. And, um, but anyway, the modern deluxe, the major difference between the modern deluxe neck and that actual old OM is it, they have a modern heel. So it doesn't get as thick as you come up into the upper frets as an actual vintage uh, Martin. So uh, super comfortable all the way up and super sleek, almost electric guitar sleek when you get up. uh, You know, as far as you can make that F shape, that first position F shape all the way up the neck, you still get a nice sleek neck. And um, so it's really my favorite uh, neck shape today. Major difference in the OM28 There's kind of a trivia question. There's a major difference in the OM28 Modern Deluxe than the other Modern Deluxes, and that is, it still has what they call the standard fretboard taper. So it's two and a quarter at the the, tenth, uh, twelfth fret. So it's got the feeling much more like a a pre-war OM than any of the other models in the Modern Deluxe because it's got the wider fretboard. Uh, which uh, a lot of finger style players are very happy about. Um, and I know our pal Lawrence Juber, who for years played modified V-necks on his signature models. Uh, his private custom uh, that they made for him recently actually now has the modern deluxe uh, OM neck shape on it because of his own uh, you know as he's just like me, you get older and your hands start to get creaky. And so he's got some arthritis issues. So he now has the modern deluxe neck on his most recent private uh, OMC. So very cool guitars. And they do link back to the 1930s. And so you started in uh, 06, I believe. So your shops opened in 06, the grand opening. Nope, 03. 03, I always I always get that wrong. I'm so sorry. So 03, okay, so 2003. But you already had your OM-28V. When did you get that?
0: Oh, I got, yeah, I got the OM-28V back in 1998.
1: And it came to you as a gift, as I recall.
0: It certainly did. I got my money's worth out of that thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the gift giver uh, got, has gotten a lot of money worth out of that rolling pin that she has to wave at you now and again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was a present from your, were you married at the time?
0: Yes, that was a gift from Santa on our first married Christmas and I will never forget it.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome story. Uh, yeah, mine was purchased used and uh, and so mine was a, I think it was a 96, it was a VR when they still had the R for Rosewood on the stamp.
0: Same here, yeah.
1: Oh, yours is a VR, I thought it might've been. Um, yeah, I thought it was. And uh, mine is now owned by a very dear friend in England. Um, again when I had to give up VNAX, um, just about the same time I was giving up the long scale I uh, had to move that on
0: let's pause for a moment and listen to a Martin OM this is the Martin OM-28
1: So the OM OM is rich in uh, lore and history. And I'm gonna go back and try to get through this fairly quickly. Martin guitars from 1833 into the 20th century were 12 fret guitars and looked a lot more like what you would consider classical guitars. And of course, were primarily gut string. They didn't get into steel strings until the uh, early 1900s when the Hawaiian music craze came out and they started making steel string guitars for people who played with a uh, slide, and typically as a lap steel sort of playing. Um, and that led them to then start bracing guitars a little heavier so they could be used with with uh, gut string or steel string, and by the mid-20s, they were well into everybody's going steel string, so we're going steel string too. A lot of people uh, were under the impression and were given the impression that the First OM came about when a famous banjo player named Perry Bechtel, who had a jazz orchestra out of Atlanta, Georgia, came to Martin and said, now that guitars were coming out with steel strings and uh, jazz was moving more and more into the uh, guitars, um, and, he, and Gibson had sent him an L5, but he didn't like the sound of it. And he went to Martin and said, could you make, take, take uh, your largest model and make me a longer neck guitar, and that's how the OM came about. Uh, modern scholarship has actually shown uh, that's not true. Once, once, uh, once people went in to the archives and really went in through the archives and started seeing the correspondence, and and um, they learned that if I remember correctly, it was a fellow named Al Esposito. He had a name similar to Esposito, but it wasn't Esposito exactly. And he worked for the uh, Carl Fisher uh, Music Company in New York City. And he wanted Martin to make a 14-fret tenor guitar to appeal to tenor banjo players. And so in 1929, maybe 28, they made the Carl Fisher Special. Spes- they made the Carl Fisher special, and the Carl Fisher, sp- <laughs> and the Carl Fisher special.
0: That's easy for you to say.
1: Exactly, it uh, doesn't look like other Martins. It's kind of got a kind of a roundish bottom bout, and a, and a smaller, taller. Well, maybe it's not smaller, but it's a taller upper bout. But it's not shaped at all like a typical Martin, and it's got an extra long, fourteen fret. A neck, Uh, they had some issues with it, it, uh, and so it wasn't ordered again. And Martin took that, and in 1930 they came out with their. I think they called it an O. Let me see if I remember this. They called it an O28T. I think it was a. No, I'm sorry. It was not. It was an O18. It was an O18T for tenor, and so they took. So they basically reshaped it, made it a shorter neck. And around that same time that they were working on this, Perry Bechtel was going. I'd uh, come up to Pennsylvania to go on a fishing trip with Frank Henry Martin. And so uh, Bechtel, who was working for the uh, Cable Piano Company in Atlanta, in addition to being a band leader, he worked for this uh, musical instruments. Uh, company, he came up to go fishing with Frank Martin, and while he was at the factory, he saw them working on a Carl Fisher model, and he said, "Could you make me a, a six-string guitar like that?" And he originally wanted seventeen frets. I think he asked for, um, and uh, they ultimately came back to him and said, "You know that that doesn't work. We'll here's a we'll do a fourteen fret." And so they made Perry Bechtel but essentially the first OM28. It was, I think, called a 00028 special. And we all thought for many, many years that it was the first OM28 a scholarship, not as recent as the whole Carl, Carl Fisher thing, had shown people through the correspondence that was discovered in the archives, again, between Perry Bechtel and Frank Martin, that his guitar actually had its slotted headstock and and was shaped in like a, not an arrowhead or maybe like a snakehead shape to it, and we and some other things that were different about it. And we don't know that much about the guitar because it was destroyed in a fire. Uh, he didn't own it very long uh, before it was destroyed, so we have no idea what the real uh, what the first uh, OM the Perry Bechtel uh, 28 special really looked like. But it immediately made Frank Martin say we should sell these, and so. Uh, in very late 1929, they started making the OM28. And the 1929-slash-1930 OM28 was the first 14-fret guitar sold by Martin under their own name. And it is considered the watermark. It is where, and the, and, the, uh, and the place where modern acoustic guitar really took off. Because everybody started making 14 fret guitars, people had experimented with 13 fret guitars and 15, 15 fret guitars, all that. Martin's OM basically revolutionized the guitar world. Um, they were built very lightly. Uh, they were called orchestra models to appeal to jazz orchestra leaders. And at Martin, and the OM didn't just mean that body size; it meant any guitar that was had a 14 fret neck. So when you see the uh, Dreadnoughts came out in 14 frets in 1934. When they converted their entire line to 14 frets, they're actually advertised as orchestra model size D. So this is what I meant when I said OM and orchestra model can mean different things to different people. So basically, at Martin, up until this century, OM meant a 14-fret guitar, even though they only called the models they sold OMs that were the auditorium size with the long-scale neck Quarter inch bracing and a one and three quarter inch width nut. The OM evolved very rapidly um, because they were very lightly built. They were basically what they really did is they took their their twelve fret triple O size, which was the largest model they offered under their own brand at at that time, and they squashed the shoulders down to kind of flatten them out to expose two more frets. They also had to move the brace, you know, the bridge placement as a result. And that's where they came up with the, with the, uh, the first OM shape that was used for uh, Mr. Bechtel and then also the original OMs. Um, they then strengthened the bracing a little bit. Um, and so the original OMs had a five sixteenth inch cross brace, X brace and quarter inch tone bars. They did not do that again on OMs until the authentic series because modern guitars are built a little heavier and and finished a little heavier. And so when they brought the OM back late years later, they used all quarter inch bracing. But in uh the original OMs people know had a pyramid bridge, like a straight bridge with the pyramids on the side. They quickly went to a belly bridge for their steel string guitars when they realized they needed that extra tension. Um though of course many people have straight bridges and pyramid bridges out there and don't have any problems with them at all. Martin felt they for warranty reasons, they felt the need to use the modern belly bridge, which is, you know, deeper and has more wood behind the uh, pins. The old OMs have a smaller uh, maple bridge plate. And then, when they decided they were going to convert their entire lineup to 14 fret guitars, starting in 1934, they retired the OM stamp. So they came out with the OM 28, the OM 18. And the OM forty-five, and then in 1930 only, they had the brief run of the OM forty-five deluxe. There, there's still some debate about how many were actually made. And they believe there were uh 12 in all, possibly eleven. Some people think there may have been twelve. And um, and I guess the, I think when they discovered that Roy Rogers' OM forty five deluxe wasn't actually listed with the other ones, they've decided there were 12. I think that's how it went. And um and his uh, his was unique. His had a different uh, pickguard uh, inlay pattern than the other ones. And they also made two OM forty twos as a special order for some dealer. And uh, style forty two back in those days had a much shorter uh, fingerboard marker pattern. It had that big round uh, snowflake at the fifth fret, and there was no markers above the fifth fret. Fifth fret, so it looks different than style forty two we know today. Um, and then, uh, so in 1934, they changed the stamp. So, and by that time you only had the OM-28 and the OM-18 uh, turning into a triple O-28 and a triple O-18. And the OM-45 became the triple O-45. I don't remember if they were making the 45s in early 1934, but for those out there who don't know this, a 1933 OM-28 or OM-18 that was built, completed in, let's say, December 1933, and a Triple O-28 or Triple O-18 from January 1934 are the exact same model. They still had the long-scale neck, they still had the same bracing, and everything was identical. And then we don't know how far into, or I don't know how far into 1934, they decided to take the OM long-scale and bring it back down to the short scale so that the triple O's and the double O's and the O's all had the same short scale. So early 1934 triple O's are in fact exactly the same as late 1930 OMs. So, and so the arms went away. And then they got rediscovered by certain musicians, uh, people like Eric Schoenberg in the 1960s when people were getting into ragtime guitar and finger style guitar, um, people started rediscovering the old OMs, and in 1969, Eric Schoenberg went to Fred Martin and convinced him to make a short run of OM 28s for the first time since 1934, uh, 1933. And uh, ironically, I was quite shocked that Eric claims that he didn't even occur to him that it was the anniversary of the 1929 introduction of the OM. So I always thought he, he purposely did it because it's the 60th anniversary of the OM, and and it turns out it had never occurred to him. So there was a brief run of OM-28 in 1969, and I bet you they are uber collectible. I would love to see one. And these would have been Brazilian rosewood and a big V-neck and wide string spacing and all that. Um, and then the OM started showing up a little bit here and there in the 1980s in, um, they made a, a limited edition that was basically the same thing as an OM 28V, maybe been slightly different in in very little respect in respects. That same year, uh, they made a special model for the Sing Out magazine. I think 35th uh, edition uh, anniversary of Sing Out magazine uh, was uh, also a vintage style OM 28. Um, the OM 28SO with a label signed by Pete Seeger and um, he wasn't an OM player, but he's involved with Sing Out Magazine. And then they came out with a couple of what they called the Guitars of the Month. Some people may remember Guitars of the Month. They didn't really, I don't think, make one every month, but that's what they called them. They actually did an HOM35 with a three piece back, and they did some other kind of uh, Guitar of the Month. Oh, it was an OMC28. So this is all before or in and around the beginning of the uh, vintage series uh, when they started making the OM28. Um, the OMs didn't enter the catalog until 1990, if I remember correctly, and they came out with the OM28, which had a black pickguard and big white Domino dots and a white binding, just like the D28 of that time period, and an OM45 that has hexagon markers and looks like the D45 from that era. These have one inch, one and three quarter inch width, nut, two and a quarter inch of the, at the twelfth fret two and a quarter inch string spacing, which is a little narrower than vintage OM string spacing and a low profile neck. They then decided um, shortly after that to retire both of those and replace them with uh, less expensive OMs. And those being, anybody remember the OM42, uh, which has the uh, fancy cat eyes and snowflake fingerboard markers and the OM21 the OM-21 at that time has Indian fretboard and bridge and micro dot, uh, uh, little micro dot, what they called style 16, I think is what they called those little tiny dots on the fretboard and um, big seller sold uh, very well for a very long time. Style 20, that's when style 21 reappeared. And this time it didn't have, uh, it uh, had black binding and, and later tortoise binding. And I think maybe the original OM-21s all had tortoise binding, but uh, rosewood, fingerboard and bridge and no, no purfling around the edge of the top or the back. Very uh, plain in terms of trim, but really interesting woods usually and a uh, big seller. So the OM-21 ohm OM-42 where uh, uh, basically has been in production ever since. And they both got the big revamp uh, in 2018 with the reimagined uh, series uh, we The vintage series we mentioned, those are great OMs. Lawrence Juber's uh, fantastic signature models, Adirondack spruce with uh, cutaways. Those are based on the OM-28V with the V-neck, and, uh, but it has two and a quarter inch string spacing. Marvelous guitars, they made them in Rosewood, they made them with Mahogany, they made them in Koa, they made them in Maple, and there were I think some dealer runs out there in other woods too. Um, and let's see the only let's see the other signature i think of is the richie sambora was an omc 41 that's a very cool looking guitar oh yeah and it, and it has a companion 12 string that's an m so that's a pretty pretty cool match set for somebody who likes pearly martins. um so during all this time the triple o was still there and the triple o was down to the triple o18 and triple o28 occasionally the triple O forty-five. 045 these guitars by 1946 became non-scallop braced 5 inch bracing um, we don't know exactly when they lost the quarter inch tone bars we don't know if it was right when they changed the sh- scale or if it was a little bit later but triple o's from the late 40s onward were non-scalloped 5 inch bracing short scale neck with a 1 and 11 16th inch nut and all the way up into the time that Maury and I started playing Martin guitars, the triple O 18 and the triple O 28 were the last remaining standard triple O's, same thing, short scale, dots on the fretboard, black binding or white binding, black pickard or uh, black pickard on both of them. And so they were quite different from the OMS. And it was only in the 21st century did those two triple O's get revamped and get vintage styling and get scallop bracing. And for whatever reason, the triple O 28 has five 16th in scallop bracing. The triple O 18 has quarter in scallop bracing, um, which I always called OM bracing, but they're short scale. And so they do not sound the same. They sound similar to if like if we took a hundred customers and they we sat them down with a triple O 28 and an OM 28 Today, a bunch of them would say I don't hear much difference, but I think I think uh, plenty of people will. I certainly do. I think the OM gives you a little more bass presence. I think it gives you a little more. I think volume is perceived differently. I think the fact that the heavier bracing in the short scale, to me, gives a much more of like a column of sound coming forward, where the OM has more of a expansive out and around and more pronounced undertone. And you can hear, I think I hear the harmonic resonance. More and more ethereally, you know the way those harmonics hover in the air, and um, and and I think also the OM gives you a bigger kick when you're playing hard, when you're when you are basically using it like the, you, the way you you use a dreadnought. Again, if you ever see Maury performing in concert with his OM twenty eight VR, you'll understand exactly what I mean about being able to really put out sound and really dig into them and 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 mine a lot of power out of them. And I think uh, the triple O's are very good. My guitars are short scale now, and I, um, uh, except for one, and uh, and that's for practical reasons uh, with my hands and fingering and all that stuff and uh, stuff I do on the fretboard. So, uh, but I still love the sound of an OM. So that was a, a quick, hopefully not too long ramble from where the OM started and where it's ended up and how the triple O actually separated from the OMS. When the OMS were brought back, they were quite different kinds of guitars and in the 21st century have become much more similar in terms of, in terms of neck. Uh, and, uh, and at least in the case of the 28s and uh, 42s, they have bracing.
0: I think I got it, but just in case, tell me the whole thing again. I wasn't listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i'm curious to hear other people's uh read other people's comments uh, about all this um and uh, i will just mentioned that one guitar that i, I have that's long scale is a triple O 16 from 1995 i think and those guitars were the closest thing to an om18 that martin had ever put out since 1933 because it was short they have quarter inch scallop bracing at a time when the triple o 18 had Five sixteenth non-scallop, and it has a long scale neck. They decide not to call it an OM because it does, doesn't have the wider OM neck. It's got this, and it's actually got a 22 fret neck because Martin's original cutaway cut cutaway. Martin, Martin's <laughs> original cutaway is the one with the oval sound hole that you guys will see uh, at times online, and um, they needed to do that because they wanted to give it the 22 fret neck of an electric guitar, and so it's a deeper cutaway with a uh, They had to squash the sound hole uh, into an oval shape to make room for those extra frets. Um, And I sort of wish they still did that, but um, this is a pretty cool design. Um, So everybody, it's time for you to write Martin and say, bring back the OM-18 and the omc 18
0: Let's hear it. Not only that, you have to write Maury's music too. I got to tell you, listening to that whole story, you have literally motivated me to make an announcement on this podcast. I haven't thought about this prior. It's just something I'm gonna spit out. We are going to bring back the OM-18 at Maury's Music. I'm gonna make a custom order with Andrew later today. We're gonna bring that guitar back to market. Even if it's only in our little store, it should not be put aside like it has been. And all this talk about all these 28s, 42s, 21s, coming from a Rosewood lover myself, I still have to admit it. There is a place for the OM-18 and we're gonna do it.
1: Woo! Three cheers! Three cheers for Mori! <laughs> hip hip hooray!
0: <laughs> you better
1: buy them. That's super cool. That's super cool. So um, yes, we'll 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 discuss. So here, here's my <laughs> trivia question. Uh, one of the signature models I forgot to mention which I believe is considered the very first signature model, was the OM-28 Perry Bechtel. Um, and I think officially it was called OM-28 Perry Bechtel 1933, because they didn't want to have to deal with uh, banjo tuners, which I forgot to mention is what were on the original orchestra models because they were trying to appeal to banjo players, which by the way, didn't really work very well. Not many banjoists bought the OMs. Who, the people who did buy the OMs were the uh, radio stars like Roy Rogers and and uh, gene autry they bought the om's and because they found they uh they uh, worked very well when when playing in front of a microphone in front of an orchestra on the radio um but anyway perry bechtel's om uh signature model is very similar to the om28v in fact it came out uh three years after the first om28vr but um i think the only difference is it has wider string spacing and maybe the shape of the v-neck is different but my trivia question is Can you name a famous American musician who was in a songwriting team that dominated progressive popular music in the 1970s who owned an OM-28 Perry Bechtel? And a second hint, Mari's band, Shellshock Churchills, and his other part-time band, Dork with the silent F, plays multiple songs by that songwriting duo.
0: Wow, so I should know it, but I don't.
1: Well, I think you'll be very surprised to learn that it's Walter Becker of Steely Game.
0: No way, really. Way. Garth, way. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, supposedly I saw, you know, uh, somebody bought it and, uh, when was proclaiming it, you know, on the internet that he owns Walter Beckard's own 28 Perry Bechtel. So I think that's pretty cool. I never knew that certainly when he was alive. Cause I, uh, and back in the seventies, I didn't uh, know that much about acoustic guitars yet to, to would have, I wouldn't have known a Perry Bechtel from a, from a George Jones, but, um, <laughs> but I thought that was pretty cool. So, uh, that's wild. And I know Steely Dan has meant a lot to you over the years in your listening oh, yeah. and playing pleasure. So now you're happy to know that you had similar taste to uh, good old Walter. So
0: We have so much in common, he and I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I have to say, you guys do a bang-up job with your Steely Dan stuff. I've always been very impressed. Uh, at your ability to play that stuff uh, always very impressive so check out the Shellshock oh. Churchills and the Dorkfest videos on YouTube see what I'm talking about
0: um, well thanks very much Spoon, for saying that we do have a lot of fun uh, we're taping this show ahead of time but if you're in the future and you have Marty McFly's DeLorean you want to go back in time to March 11th we're going to be at the uh, Jim Thorpe Broadway Grill uh, but of course that's impossible but you missed a good show let me say it that way
1: So here's the answer to the first trivia question. What is the Martin OM model, that's a signature model, that's still available for sale today? The OMJM, John Mayer. So the OMJM is, was inspired by the OM28V, but it had a low profile neck and it has an Engelman top. And the original signature model also had some, some uh, inlays and stuff that were unique to that limited edition. Uh, the, the for sale version in the catalog isn't as uh, fancy, but it has the Engelman top and it has the low profile neck. And um, does it have a 1 and 11 16th inch low profile neck?
0: It does, yes. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So um, I do have a couple of uh, pieces of housekeeping I should get to before I forget to wrap the show up. We were talking about all the OM guitars you could buy from Martin, all the guitars that are in current production that you can find anywhere. There are some guitars you can only find at Marty's Music. We bring in things like Custom Shop OM28s with Adirondack top, OM28 with an Engelman top, OM28 with an Engelman top and a Pickup, that kind of pushes the things towards the uh, OM28 John Mayer that you remember. And there's always that very famous guitar that only a couple of people can ever aspire to have. It's the OM28V Mari replica. We actually took the time to go and spec out a VTS-topped OM28 with a V-neck that kind of recreates my guitar minus the boogering up the sound all that you have to do yourself. But we do strive to bring a lot of guitars to market that Martin won't really make anymore. And that's just a short list of what they are. And the one thing I wanted to ask you, Spoon, many customers that call us and ask us, what's the difference in feel between a triple O and an OM? I often suggest this next thing because I have heard it said on, on forums and all over the internet. If you take a regularly tuned to concert pitch OM and you detune it, a whole step. So instead of your bass note being E, your bass note's gonna be a D. If you do that and then you put a capo on the second fret, it's it's not gonna change the scale length, so you don't you don't get to feel the difference with frets being closer together, but kind of you get a feel for what an OM sounds like versus a triple O. A detuned O M with a capo on the second fret is kind of like what a triple O sounds like being tuned to concert pitch without a capo. What are your thoughts on that, Spoon? Is there any merit to that?
1: I would say, uh, except to use the word sound, we originally started talking about feel. That gives you some indication of what the string tension is like. And that's one of the pluses of the triple O is that if you're you're using the same gauge strings, the triple O, it's easier to bend and you can actually get a full, uh, almost electric guitar, full band out, if you're strong enough, out of a triple O that you're not gonna get out of an OM. Obviously for people like Lawrence Juber, and whose hands are like little gymnasts that he doesn't even think about that so uh and he actually uh you know uses uh strings that have a medium for the unwound strings and and the and the big bass string at the top and then triple o, i mean lights strings in the middle of them there but so so it's really up to the person feel wise for me uh again you you mentioned that you're not getting the scale difference and that's a big difference the, particularly when you start to go up the neck, the frets are just a tiny bit closer together, so the stretch is not as as extreme. And uh, and for people who have short thumbs like me, or have uh, or otherwise have, in my case, you know, old injuries, things like that that are bothering me these days, that's a big difference for me. I like the OM power more, um, but I like the string the uh, the the spacing of the frets and the bendability of the strings better on a triple O. That being said, I use cutaways. When you get up by the 12th fret or above the 12th fret, the frets are a little too close together on the triple O compared to the O M. So you get some traffic jams up there. I mean, I can still do it. I still play up there all the time, but it's a really close call in terms of uh, trying to finger more than one string and uh, you know, and, and doing things on top of each, your fingers on top of each other. And a triple O where the OM just gives you a tiny bit more, you would hardly know, notice it until you until you really run into those traffic jams that an OM is a, is a little easier to play up the neck because the frets are farther apart. Where farther down the neck, the triple O's easier to play because the frets are closer together. So it is a bit of a trade-off. But I think that's an interesting question because I, I have actually done that myself in the past and, and uh, tried that out. And I, I'd say it's, it does give you an idea of what it's like to play the short scale guitar. And the sla- slacking strings probably s- helps it sound a little bit more like a triple O. But I still think you're probably, because of the bracing difference, if you're talking about the triple O 18, maybe because that has the same brace size as an OM. The, the, uh, the 00028 and 00042 have thicker bracing. So I don't think you're getting an exact sound comparison. Um, but I think it's an interesting experiment for people to try who don't have the opportunity to to uh, go play a O if they have an OM.
0: All right, guys, so I'm going to make you a deal. We're, we're getting near the end of the program here. I'm going to give you some extra credit, but you got to do us a solid. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what you can do if you're looking for an OM guitar from Martin. And if you found value in this podcast, please consider sharing it with just one person, even if it means you have to pull them aside, take their phone out of their hand, and help them find out how to get to Apple Podcasts. Please help us spread the word, it's your job after this show to go and find just one person. That's all we could ever ask for. If you're looking for an OM guitar from Martin and all the models we talked about still aren't enough, you can also look at the 15M, the Triple O 15M Streetmaster, and the 10E. As Spoon would agree, these are all guitars that have the OM size, the OM scale length, and the 1 and 3 quarter inch nut. Very good point.
1: So this uh, goes back to the fact that in the 1990s, Martin started making some triple O's in style 16 and eventually style 15 that have the long scale neck because that had become the industry standard and they wanted to compete directly with other makers of relatively inexpensive guitars in that body size. And so, uh, the 15s have, uh, stay true to the long scale, at least for now. It's very likely Martin's going to change the Triple uh, O 15 to short scale at some points, just to just to have everything be the same with a Triple O on a stamp. But a uh, very good point, I'm glad you pointed that out as we wrap up today's program on the Martin OM models. So don't forget, don't be confused, orchestra model used to mean any Martin with a 14 fret neck and that corresponding body shape Um, in any size, but they only ever sold guitars with OM in the model stamp that were in the Auditorium size that is shared by the OM and the Triple O.
0: Yes, and please take a moment to let us know in the comments section of the YouTube version of this video What is your favorite Martin OM? From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com.